global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 85 years. Learn more at ADR.org. Deutsche Bank, which runs Europe's largest investment bank, may post a loss for the year as it overhauls its business. That according to co-chief executive officer John Cryan. U.S. stock index futures are little changed this morning ahead of that Federal Reserve policy decision that is expected to give more clarity on the timing of U.S. interest rates increases. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And S&P E-mini futures are now down about two points. Dow E-mini futures down eight. NASDAQ E-mini futures, little change. The DAX in Germany is up two tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up 630 seconds. The yield 1.94 percent. NYMEX crude oil up two percent or 72 cents to 37.06 a barrel. COMEX gold is up two tenths percent or two dollars ten cents to 12.33 ten an ounce. The euro, a dollar ten eighty-five. The yen, one thirteen point four eight. Peabody Energy, the largest U.S. coal miner, saying it may not be financially strong enough to remain in business in its current form, and that the company may seek bankruptcy protection. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Hey, Karen, uh, thank you so much. Really, a quiet markets, but that is not uh, true of the news cycle. It is extraordinary. Eleven a.m. this morning, the president's important uh, conference and announcement on the Supreme Court, and then we move right away. Uh, 120 minutes later to our Fed coverage, uh, Michael McKee and myself with Scarlett for Worldwide on Bloomberg Radio with a great set of guests. We were going to have Anastasia be, be with us in the 1 p.m. hour, but her people said she couldn't do it. She's uh, she's really busy filling out her bracket. Her bracket. <laughs> That's a scary thought. Are you up to speed on the bracket? I'm so not up to speed Good, on the bracket. Okay. <laughs> I'm I up to speed bl- on the Fed. But <laughs> I went with the blue uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Tom uses the scientific method. <laughs> uh, you both have CFP, uh, 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 CFA uh, designations. And does that teach you anything about how to? Yeah, it teaches you that I said this to Francine Lacroix. She goes, we're going to win. I go, no, you don't understand, Francine. Everyone loses. (laughs) No one wins. Just a matter of which week, right? I read something like there's nine quintillion different possible combinations that you could have on a 64 team, whether it's really four Mm. other team brackets. So it is uh, insane uh, to try to think you're going to win. But some people do. Uh, you got to win. Uh, with this, by the way, we're speaking with Anastasia Amorosa from J.P. Morgan Asset Management. You got to win uh, for your clients. Um, in this divergent world that we were talking about before the break, what do you invest in um, that you are reasonably confident will happen? Yeah, I think one thing that is becoming more and more apparent is that this divergent monetary policy world that we live in is not necessarily supportive of the U.S. equity markets. And what's happening is there's no impairment necessarily that we see in the U.S. economy, but the fact that the U.S. dollar has strengthened as much as it has and the fact that it has traded sideways for the last year does have some significant ramifications for the equity markets. So, for example, if you look at inflation, it is now turning up because the dollar at one point was up 20% year over year. That was back in July of 2015. The dollar index today is up about 0.66% year over year. So, no wonder core PCE, core CPI, or even the headline numbers are moving higher. 
But if you think about it from a perspective of a corporation, if you're a Caterpillar, if you're an Eli Lilly, if you're any multinational company out there that caters at least half of your sales to outside of the United States, then it's not the year-over-year change in the U.S. dollar, but rather it's the index value that really matters. So what I'm saying is if the Fed does proceed with raising rates later on this year, then we can expect that the U.S. dollar, if it doesn't strengthen materially from here, it does stay pretty strong. So that is a headwind to the earnings landscape of the S&P 500 companies. Not all, but some. And then you couple with this other notion that if I'm a corporation, I have this pie of profits, and I have to split them up between what I get to keep versus what I get to pay out. So if I now have to pay out a greater portion of that pie to people who work for me because of wages, wages pressure that is building, that means I don't get to keep quite as much. So that rising wage pressure is now also eating into the profitability, or at least has the potential to for certain companies. So it's interesting. What's good for the economy is not necessarily the best thing for the equity markets. So that was a long-winded answer to your question, where do we have reasonable conviction? And But what I'll say is that risk assets could muddle through this year. Maybe they could be up a little bit. But one space that we do have a lot of conviction is the investment-grade bond universe. If you think about that, not only do you have the support from the bond market yields that are not rising very fast, but you also have the support from the spread levels on investment-grade corporates that are now 200 basis points, which is the widest they have been in 2012. So I think if the economy does muddle through and maybe better than muddle through, and if the uh, the risk off sentiment yeah. doesn't pick up, that could be a lead into high grade. I usually go to Colgate Palmolive when I want to talk about broad America. I have yeah. full disclosure, folks, I do not use Colgate Palmolive toothpaste. Uh, but we could, you could tell, thank you. Tucker, Tucker has to live it uh, every day. Stay over there, would you? But, but if I look at a 12 year piece from Colgate, six and a, 6.45 coupon. So obviously it's trading at a premium above a hundred because it's 6.45. Your optimism in investment grade paper has driven that piece to 133. So my yield on Colgate is three point to center tendency 3.18. Are our listeners, whatever flavor they are, global Wall Street, Mm -hmm. mom and pop, are they ready for a 10-year 3.17% return? And that's taken the price from 133, cash it in 12 years from now at 100? Are you kidding me? (laughs) It's all relative, Tom, though, right? If they're comparing that bond that you just mentioned with the paper they can get into in Europe, they're absolutely ready for this. So the challenge that a lot of insurance companies and a lot of pension funds in Europe are facing is they have 27% of the government bond index that is not giving them any yield at all. And then you pile on top of that the corporate bonds that are now the yields are coming down. Guess what? The money is coming into the United States, U.S. Treasury market, and U.S. So corporate re- market. Remind me again, how many times is Yellen going to raise rates this year? I can't keep track. Zentner's at one. Well, they might Somebody's say at three. Five. They might say three. We would say two. Okay, you say two. Bruce Kasman and your team says two. I love it. If she raises rates twice, you're telling me this Colgate piece at a 133? Wow. That's amazing. Is 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 not going to – I'm not going to enjoy that, a, a valiant like 125? That was a joke. Yeah, we <laughs> we don't 
have as much worry about the sh- the long end of the curve as we have the short end of the curve. Fair. Because the short the short term rates should track the the Fed funds rate. But the long end of the curve, there's so much more that's going on. You have a lot of foreign investors that are in the long end they of the curve. They want Colgate paper. I get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And then you have a lot of institutions that, you know, for them, they have to try to get that 2% yield. So maybe Colgate is not that example that gives you the 2% yield. But the index as a whole, the investment grade index, gives you a yield of about 4%. So that's the best we've seen, uh, mm. again, since 2012. Mike, to circle this this Fabozzi-like moment, I want to make clear, as you enjoy your Colgate piece going from, from $13,350 to $10,000 12 years out, you get a stream of 6% coupon along the way. Yeah. I want to make that clear that there is a payback along the way. We'll do yield to maturity with a quiz tomorrow, folks. <laughs> it's a, it's a corporate bond uh, march, I guess. Right. Uh, but you can get um, dividend yields in, in some companies higher than your 2% uh, return there. So. Sure. You why, can. why not do that? Yeah, sure you can. But those dividend yields actually do come with quite a bit more risk than the coupon does. One thing that has changed, I would say, with the last year is that the corporate behavior, because of that pie equation that we talked about, is becoming more bondholder friendly than it is equity holder friendly. So if you look at dividend cover ratios, if you look at profitability, all of those metrics are actually dropping. So what are you going to prioritize in that scenario? Are you going to prioritize buybacks, M&A, and dividends, or are you going to make sure that you more than satisfy your interest payment? Of course, I take the latter. So I think that's why, you know, 6.5% coupon you can get in high yield. Uh, I, I think that's in better compensation for the risk that you take at this stage in the market. Um since you're our equity uh, person and uh, today as well as the, the bond person, do, do 30 seconds. Do we care about who runs for and wins the presidency this year? Is that going to get into the market sometime soon? We do care. I don't think we see a huge impact until it's evident who the Republican nominee is. is. But I, I think the markets in general, th- there's not a direct correlation between what the makeup of this is, who is in the White House, who's in Congress. But clearly there's a big implication for certain sectors of the, of the markets. And I guess one other thing I would say about this, uh, just so that we, we have an unbiased uh, answer here, I'll talk about the implication of a Donald Trump presidency versus a Bernie Sanders presidency. First of all, the measures that they're currently proposing may not actually come to fruition. Yeah, well, we've got to stop. Unfortunately, we have to stop there so you don't get in trouble with your compliance team. Thank you very much for that. I tried to keep it as visual as we could. Yeah, we did. Six lawyers just stood up at the J.P. Morgan headquarters and said, what is she saying? (laughs) Futures flat, Fed Day, 1 p.m., special coverage. Stay with us.